Hey guys, welcome back to Take Note. I am your co-host with Adrian Fry. I am Taylor East King Hello. with K- uh, Adrian Fry. Totally messed that intro up. Um, <laughs> but today, you try yeah. Again? <laughs> no, we're good. I'm going to keep this all in. Um, Hello, and welcome back to Take Note, where Taylor screws up. Okay, no. Um, <laughs> That's the intro. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Steven, you haven't been introduced yet. You can't say... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you don't know yeah. who you are. We haven't introduced you, Steven. Shut the hell up. Yeah, I'll mute all of our listeners are local okay. to Boise. Shout out, yeah, Boise. Do, do your intro. All right, ready? I'll mute myself. <laughs> okay, so now that Steven is muted... Um, I'm going to talk about how uh, this is a very different podcast from the previous ones, right? Um, this week we have two guests instead of just one. I know. Ooh, so exciting. Ooh, uh, yeah. spicy. Um, so this is uh, Cole Marsh and then the other guy. So Cole Marsh, you are a tuba player. You are a sophomore at Boise State University. Uh, tell I us about am, yourself. And I don't interrupt the host before I'm introduced. Oh, oh snap! Shots fired. <laughs> he can't even say anything, bro. He's muted. Muted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's also gonna be like a lot of just like genuine like chemistry on this podcast because I oh, I do quite enjoy one. both of the guests because we're all very good friends. So. Oh, this we is going to be amazing. Okay, what? Oh, what? blur that out. Blur that out. <laughs> Steven, shut what? up. You're supposed to be muted. God. Shut up, Taylor. I'll introduce him. The other guy is Steven Jones, a freshman at Boise State, also in Symphonic Winds. I don't know if you yeah. mentioned that, but Cole is also in Symphonic Winds, as well as Taylor. So I'm is off campus. As so, is, anyway. so am I. And, and, so, and so is Cole. So is Mr. Yeah. Brown. <laughs> and Mr. Yeah, Mr. Brown's in so wins. Did you guys know? Adrian was last semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was last year. Um, just COVID, and I was competing against two grad students when I had just picked up bass trombone. And there were like ten trombone. I'm, we I'm talked about like, it in the last. Podcast. I'm not like too salty about. I'm like a little salty about it, but I understand. I mean, everybody's like, you know, disappointed if they don't get the position that they. Well, yeah, and it's it's yeah. not like that I don't like all campus because I think Joe does a phenomenal job yeah. and all of the grad Especially students and the GAs. And I, I was honestly a really fun ensemble to play in this last semester, and I learned a lot. Um, So I, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Before this past semester, like, all campus kind of struggled because there was a lot of community people. Yeah. Um, And it was, it was like, great. I've played in it, <laughs> and it was a little bit, I mean, I didn't I didn't like playing in it, but this year I would have liked playing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, it, the trombone really... section was stacked. Yeah, it you was. had uh, yeah, like a lot Logan of Logan Dominguez, Matt yeah. McMichael, Amy Johnson, and then me on bass. So it was yeah. really good. Um, there was one week when uh Amy and Matt weren't there because Amy was uh quarantining and yeah. um I, I don't know what Matt was doing, but um so basically it was just it was just Logan and I and we killed it. Like uh, we had lots of perfect fifth like uh passages where we would just like do perfect yeah. like parallel perfect fifths and everything else and it just it just lined up and it was so awesome to hear i was like hell yeah, yeah that's my tuning baby let's go <laughs> <laughs> all right so you guys are on because we are um wanting to talk to you guys about tuba you know um you want to learn as much as possible about this instrument and you guys are great tuba players both in symphonic winds um i'm okay and um yeah and uh we kind of want to know just like 
how it works. So I have one question. How many tubas are there? How many keys of tubas are there? Oh, Steven, I got this one because I learned no, something. No. Okay, uh -oh. you figured it out. How many keys? Yeah. All right. So I can tell you this different styles. You can do that. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, first, uh, the most common ones that you see in like middle school, high school, you got your B flat tuba. Then you get into college and professional, you start seeing C tubas. Um, you get a little bit above that, and you got your bass tubas. Uh, the first two are contrabass tubas, but the next ones are bass tubas, and those are E flat and F. And I didn't learn this until yesterday. In drum and bugle chord, there was such a thing as the G contrabass tuba that was pitched mm -hmm. below the B flat tuba that we commonly see today. In sousaphone and uh, contras, yeah. yeah. A drum corps in the 70s and the 80s, well, actually, until like 2000-something, uh, everyone was required to use G bugles, and so the entire mm -hmm. horn section, in case someone listening who doesn't know, like, they all use G bugles, which at first only had, like, one valve, and then eventually got all the way up to, like, three valves. Yeah, I have a microphone one in my closet, and I love pulling it out. It's a lot of fun. I think it's cool. It's really cool. It's a lot easier to play high on a G bugle than it mm -hmm. is on a B-flat trumpet. Yeah. Or, I, I hate B-flat uh, trumpets just with a passion, but I'm not going to yeah. get into that. Listen to the also a lot of trumpet like... podcast for that one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> There's also a lot of uh, different styles of tubas that people don't realize because tuba is relatively like in the whole entire brass world is actually like pretty young. Like it's been around not as long as everything else. Like, you know how tri most trumpets, when you look at them, unless they're in a different key, of course, they all look the same, you know, like all of the, um, all of like cl clarinets pretty much all look the same to me. Like I have no, I cannot tell you the difference between two different clarinets, but what you can tell with one's at least black, in the two, the other one's huh? black. The next oh, yeah. one's also black, but and then the bit... big, big one, yeah. silver. Yeah, really silver. big one. Yes. The big paper one clip. Silver. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, but there's different styles. So there's like the traditional, um, German style, because all these different people develop tubas all around the world. So like a lot of the time they're like kind of developed in their own areas or countries. That's why they're called like German tubas and german tubas are like kind of like what me and cole play uh which i don't have my my tubas in the closet right now so i'm not gonna get it out he doesn't pulls it out of your pocket and like, yeah here's my tuba <laughs> yeah but um so like what me and cole play are the like these rotor valve c tubas mm -hmm. that uh rotor valves like is when you actuate the valve it like spins a little rotator thing in case anyone listening who doesn't know similar to like a trombone trigger things like that and then once you get up to like um up a little bit what is that direction i don't know what direction it is somewhere else in europe like another part of europe there's like traditional english horns which are um a lot of the time very cuz like german tubas the majority of the time their valves are positioned in the front of the horn so then you can have like an equal footing or like a good stance good ergonomic shape and then there's the English horns, which most of the time use piston Not valves. Not the double reed instruments, the uh, the tuba. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not the yeah. Not yeah. The English <laughs> tubas. They yeah. are. They uh, traditionally are like very upright, and the valves are all up here in your right hand as well. So it's like a but euphonium. Kind of like a euphonium. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like okay. a bigger euphonium. A lot of brass bands in Europe use those, and then when you get to like America, because America likes to be different. Uh, That's why we, we threw we all the key like, in the C. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We developed like York style tubas, which are also made around the world, but are primarily in America, which um, are like larger horns, not always, but most of the time larger horns with a uh, front actuating piston valves and they're a lot faster. So there's a lot of dip, like if you look down the line, um, there's like the symphonic winds tubas, for example, there's like Cole who has like a, uh, if you want to look these up. There's like a Miraphone C tuba. What what's the number on that one? I can't remember. Uh, I believe mine is a one fifty seven. Okay, a that Miraphone means nothing to me. One fifty seven. It's like what the model number. It's like a car, oh, okay. like different models. And then oh, okay. my horn is an Alexander Gebruder, um, one thirty six. That's what it is. It's in the key of C. It's older than I am. Uh, I love that horn. It's just old. Um, did you name it? I did name it. Uh, its, What's name its name is. Oh jeez, I don't refer to it by name. Oh, I just named it Alex. That's right. I'm kind of lame like that. Oh, very creative. Yeah, very creative. I know. Um, it's literally Toby because I just like being able to say Toby the tuba. Toby the tuba. There you go. <laughs> Sorry if I'm talking a lot. I'm just trying to. And then oh, like, Joe. Another guy in the tuba section has just an old Miraphone. Um, I think that's also that's like a 136 as well. I, I don't know. Isn't They're not the related at all. I think that's the school's huh? horn. It's Isn't school's horn. horn. Yeah. Okay. Schools, yeah. And it's like. It's in it. It's as old yeah. as the school. It's similar, <laughs> it's similar to my horn. Yeah. Like it was made. Like it has, a, I think, a four digit number on it for the. For the oh, okay. for the serial number, so it's really old. Old tuba. Yeah, and then Dang. actually the majority of the tubas are Miraphones, but um, Michael, another tuba player, also plays a Miraphone tuba, which is made in Germany. All Miraphones are made in Germany, but this one's a front, front actuating piston valve. Those are totally... I'm sorry if I just went on a whole entire rant about that, but it's just like they're all different, and that's what I like about tubas is that you could have the same key of an instrument as someone else but their horn can be completely different so you kind of can have your own unique thing yeah one thing i find like fascinating about tubas is like it's similar i mean it's kind of similar to the trumpets it's like you have a you have a cornet b flat you have a uh, you have a b flat trumpet a c trumpet you have a piccolo trumpet like all of these different trumpets but you can all read the different keys and so your your keys when you when you have written sheet music, it's usually written in C, almost always written in C. Well, but yeah, you're it's playing all just bass clef. We read concert pitch. We just change yeah, fingerings. Yeah, yeah. Well, our sometimes head. sometimes like uh, they're written in B flat, but bass clef. And if composers, if you do that, you're dumb. Um, but yeah, um, but you're like playing an F horn or an E flat horn. And so I'm curious if you guys transpose. And you're thinking I'm in an E flat and that's a C part. Or if you guys are thinking about that's a C, that's this fingering. Like, how do you guys personally um, play different pitch? Horn? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the most common thing 
for the two of us is just switching between sousaphone and c tuba because uh, sousaphones are b flat mm-hmm. and our tubas yeah. are c's and at least for me it's just all right i'm on a c horn now these are my fingerings bam yeah, you know, yeah. it's not it's reading the, yeah it's reading the same exact music but not really thinking about it in a different key perhaps i know some oh, people yeah. do that like my old teacher when he would play e flat tuba he'd be like oh i just imagine i'm playing treble clef in the key of g and i was like why don't you just learn the fingerings and he was like because i don't want to <laughs> but like that reminds me of like how baritone players or euphonium players reading treble clef it's like dude why don't you read bass clef because i don't want to yeah yeah that's one of the other interesting things about like one thing that interests me about brass bands is that brass bands, the entire brass line, all reads treble clef, mm-hmm. like hmm. even the tubas. So yeah, like, I'm in like, the uh, I'm in the Treasure Valley uh, brass band, and it's weird starting to read B flat treble on a tuba. I don't like that. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably learn it at some point, but it's just like a lot of uh, work. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about brass bands, but brass bands are pop. Yeah, no, you can go, Steven. No, no, I'm done. All right, Uh, leave. Goodbye. Another crazy thing about tubas that a lot of non-tuba players won't really know is they can have anywhere from three to six valves. It's true. Uh, true. Yeah, the ones you're going to see in yeah middle schools are most likely three to four. Um. And the fourth one, for those who don't know, is just a replacement for one and three. And then... Okay. For better intonation. Yeah. Okay. As you start to get into college, you'll start seeing some five valves. And those do a couple of different things. It is more often than not a flat whole step. But on my horn, it is actually a replacement for two and three. Uh, So... It means that so, you can play every single note while only pressing down one valve if you really so, wanted to. That's interesting. Like, um, it's, it's interesting because French horns, actually, I shouldn't say French horns because they're actually German. Um, horns, um, they have the, uh, the triple horn or double horn and they uh, press yeah. the valve and they're in a completely different key now, right? So tubas, um, do you ever like... I'm playing in uh, F tuba, and then you pl- press down the uh, the fifth valve or something, and now you're in a completely different key, and you're playing in that key. Do you well, ever I mean, think about it that way? Technically, what any valve would do, we just don't. Think I mean, that's about kind it like of what that. they do. Yeah, yeah. We don't really think it's not like playing a trombone where like you can put down or a French horn as well, where you put down your trigger and you're in a different key. So, but it does help us in the same way where we can play more notes. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. So especially on a the reason why F tubas typically have more valves than just four is because they're the bass tuba. So they they can't really at least the way I understand it is that they can't necessarily go as low as other tubas. So they add more tubing, of course, which makes you go lower. So then it just makes other notes like more available to you. That's like the best way to put it. Is cause like you can play like my horn is a C tuba, but it only has four valves. So my horn only has, uh, it's a four valve C tuba, but if I had a fifth valve, then I could play more than I could with um, just the four. Cause like right now I can play D flat 
or I can play D one, two, three, four. Like that's what how you play D. But I can't play D flat because then I would need the fifth valve to take me down a um a quarter step, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. A half step. A half step. You know what I mean. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you're not Don Ellis. You don't have a quarter tone yeah. trumpet. I was like, yeah. okay, Jacob Collier. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just count the beats. Just count the beats. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty interesting to me. Like, that's one of the reasons. Like, I started tuba. That's what we should talk about. We should talk about how we started tuba. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I started, but like, like, when you start tuba, you just kind of think of tuba being how you see it in like the media, <laughs> the media, um, but yeah, the media, but just how you see it on TV is most of the time, like a pretty clunky instrument that like doesn't really do much other than fill the base of the band. One, five, one, boom, exactly, boom, exactly. Veggie tales, yeah. you know, things like that. Just only playing the one and five, you know, the there's chord. a joke. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a joke to you guys. I'm gonna interrupt you, and you're, uh, I'll let you finish you're later. Good. Um, there's a um, um, there was this kid who um, started playing tuba and asked his parents, "I want to take tuba lessons." And so the parents oh, said, okay. "Okay, I know this. You, you know this one." And yeah. so the kid goes and takes a tuba lesson, um, and comes back and goes, "I learned a C." It's like congratulations, kid. Um, and then the next week goes back to the lesson, uh, comes back. And goes, I learned a G. And uh, the next week, um, he goes to his lesson, uh, but doesn't come back for, like, several hours. And the parents are like, oh, my God, I need to call the cops. Like, what the f*** is going on? My kid's missing. Um, And then sooner or later, the kid comes back, and parents go, where the f*** were you? And this kid goes, I had a gig. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you not heard that, Adrian? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Stephen, um, I had to interrupt with that because no, that you're like, good. You're, you're good. That's not entirely false, so that's fair. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, it's um. Anyway, Stephen, go ahead. I'm sorry, but yeah, a lot of people they see a tuba as a clunky instrument, you know, where you can get a gig with only two notes. But, <laughs> but like honestly, it's kind of the more that you go into playing tuba when doing lessons, doing solos, doing things like that, a lot of people don't think of it as a solo instrument, mm-hmm. but like the tuba can sound, this is why I love it so much is the tuba can sound so beautiful, so melodic, so, you know, mm-hmm. so much range, but nobody like knows that because everybody sees them as that veggie tale, you know, character <laughs> who only plays yeah. Larry. Of course. Uh, sorry. I forgot his name for a second. But, you know, just like everyone sees this as Larry who can, you know, boom, 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 boom. But there's a lot more to it than that, where you can play a whole entire concerto just for tuba. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, When I compose, um, I often like I have the piano in front of me. And what I often do is I go to the tuba and I uh, select the tuba sounds and I play everything on a tuba sound, um, regardless of range, because it has such a round, beautiful tone especially how no performer and actually has a really good sound for all brass, basically everything except for saxophone. Um, it has really good sounds. And so I use that to compose because it has a really round, beautiful sound and it sounds great throughout the ranges. And, um, 
it's actually kind of crazy how high you guys can play. You guys can play pretty high. Um, as opposed to like what everyone thinks, like, oh, you want to play below the staffs. Like, dude, you can play in or above the staff more often than you guys think. As composers, yeah. I'm not talking to you personally. Yeah. Um Steven so, yeah, I'm has a curious. crazy oh. high range. Yeah, it is insane. Tell it's us about awesome. it. I want to know like what you guys what do you Steven, what do you want to see in compositions? Like how how high can you go? What's your uh, I you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like you see that a lot and um uh, Cole can get his perspective on it too. But like I see it a lot in like high school pieces, just mm -hmm. like kind of bass tones. But it makes sense because we're filling the base of the band. I guess it depends on the piece, in my opinion. And also, like, most high schoolers can't play as high as, you know, like, say, me and Cole can and things like that. Which, honestly, I think Cole has a better high range than I do. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like. You have a better, a better high range than I do. So, I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's crazy. I think it would be cool to see more, like, high range and things like that, but it would have to be, like, in the right setting, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I would like mm -hmm. to see a part that goes up to a F above the staff, but, like, not everybody in high school or, you know, college even can play up to a high F. And so composers should try it if they like it, you know, because I've had some pieces where it goes up pretty high, but some of, most of the time it's pretty mid-range or low-range. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cole, you, you got your perspective on it. Yeah. The uh, So basically, to answer your question, the highest that I can play is, I think... I don't think anyone asked that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask that. God, <laughs> Taylor, Trey, shut the hell up, Cole. Yeah. <laughs> what mouthpiece do you use? He's got a, a flex. Okay, freaking <laughs> trumpet player. I can play an A. No, I can play an A flat above that A. So major seven. Hey, shut the hell up. No, I'm kidding. No one cares. <laughs> but Cole, go ahead. What's actually funny is that's how saxophonists sound in Altissimo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, But so I can play up to the B-flat in the treble clef, mm -hmm. but I would never tell any composer that that is in my range because it's stupid. It's a gag. Like, yeah, I would never do that in context. Um, but I think for genuinely professional things, you should totally right up to the G and sure, sure. treble clef. That's going to sound good on good players, and it's going to really bring in a different tone. And I mean, that's the highest I've ever seen does something that, written. That, does that change between tubas? Because you have so many different types of tubas. I mean, obviously it will change. But yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's you playing on a, okay, you know. But I also really wouldn't change what I just said for a bass tuba either. Um, I don't know. What's your opinion on that, Steven? I think that it's kind of the same on either um, one. You shouldn't go higher. Yeah. Um, so like F tuba is like they can play higher. Like it's kind of it's kind of hard to describe on that. Yeah, during a podcast, yeah. higher. Well, like <laughs> well, like the okay, yeah, air quotes higher. Um, just because like it depends on the player because you're still doing the same embouchure and the same amount of muscle for the same key of instrument. It's just like the timbre of it and sure. the range of the horn changes. It makes it it makes playing in those higher ranges like the G and things like that more comfortable 
that's kind of why someone would play um, an F tuba instead of a C tuba. Obviously, you wouldn't play a C tuba. Um, you would play C tuba in like a concert band or like a wind ensemble, but not all the time you would want to play uh, an F tuba in the wind ensemble or anything like that. Most of the time, an F tuba is seen as a solo instrument just because of the uh, range it has. I mean, it depends on the player also. I think that's a good way to put it is like a lot of the skill or high range of a tuba player just depends on the player and yeah, not just course. the horn. But, I mean, it's the same as like changing from a B-flat trumpet to a C trumpet, you know? Like you're still doing that same embouchure. It just becomes a little bit more mm -hmm. comfortable. So it's the same mouthpiece? Uh, sometimes. Usually no. not. Most okay. people don't play on the same mouthpiece, yeah. Because C trumpet, B flat pieces. trumpet, those are the same mouthpieces usually. Most yeah. of the time. I mean, you could. Some people do. But a lot of the time, a C tuba mouthpiece or just a tuba, like a lower contrabass tuba mouthpiece, mm -hmm. is larger than a uh, F tuba. Because, like, I play pretty much on this guy. Ooh, that's would... beautiful. Look at that. Show it's it again. Okay. It's okay. That's sexy. I'm trying out new okay. mouthpieces now. Just because I could, I can finally do that. Heck yeah! But, but um, but on like F tuba, you would want to do something a little bit smaller, so then like it makes more sense with the size of the horn, and mm. that's also a thing. Is like the bore of the mouthpiece should fit the bore of a tuba or like mm -hmm. around. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it would be cool to get back on topic to see see composers really try and push tuba players because if that becomes the social norm is that a tuba player should be able to play that high then maybe it'll become more well accepted around the board yeah all across and the board i mean you guys have gorgeous tone up there i mean it's it's such a beautiful yeah. i mean you guys can i mean it's comparable to a euphonium and euphoniums sound great in that register they can go higher obviously but they you, you guys have a very similar timbre yeah. um and I, I think you guys could, I mean, play a lot more solos up in there. And I think yeah. it just it just has more. It's like a thicker sound. How, describe your sound throughout the ranges. I'm curious what you guys would say. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. Cole, you try. Cole, you describe the sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, and again, it really is player to player like most things sure. on instruments. But like, I'm super comfortable in my low range. Um, so if I not to see flex. Any... <laughs> not to flex. He said comfortable. He said he didn't say good. I'm, I'm he good. Said in my super, he said exactly. super comfortable. Super comfortable. I'm okay, phenomenal. Okay. My sound is unmatched in the low yeah. register. Arnold, okay, Jim, no one can shut the hell up. Your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Cole. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Anyway, Cole. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, back to my absolutely amazing low range. Um, <laughs> I love it. Like, I don't know. Low range, I'll say for me, anywhere like from the C below the bass clef staff down, mm -hmm. I am incredibly comfortable there. But there's a lot of people where that starts to get airy for them. So like then, C2? So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then, yeah, you start moving up to there. Some people, very early on, they cap out at, like, the E3 
for comfort. Um, but then That's as in you go stats, on, right? obviously, for a lot of people, once you get to college, comfort is pretty much C four. You're pretty comfortable going up to there. Um, like that, like a C four, you could just go, boom. That's what I have. Like literally, that, boom. Because it's C four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best way to describe I, I was thinking about it while Cole was talking. Perfect. But but I guess the best way to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the <laughs> people it's just, hard to like rock. TV think, static. Think real strong. Yeah. It's TV <laughs> um, static for me. <laughs> but I think that um the best way to describe like C two and things like that, uh in that lower, lower range would be pretty uh Somewhat rattly, it seems like, just because your lips are vibrating at such a slow, slow um, tempo frequency. or frequency, you know? Yeah. So it just kind of like, it seems rattly, but it also like fills a band up or a room, you know, just with a large, dark tone. And then like, when you get into like that mid-range, which is like C3 and things like that, it's pretty... um pretty consistent it's just like an octave lower than it say like a baritone or something like that so it's not like it's pretty smooth in my opinion and then once you get up to that higher range it um it really starts to become more fluid in my opinion it just like a lot more um i don't know it's really hard to describe like tone you know itself the, the way i would kind of say it up there is the reason it gets uncomfy is just like all the partials are so close based on the yeah. harmonic series because you start getting to like where the ninth is a partial when you get mm -hmm. to the top of the staff mm -hmm. and when that's happening it's like oh cool i'm about to play just c bam and then no that's you're gonna you're gonna play a flat b flat please <laughs> yeah just, <laughs> it's pretty interesting like the harmonic tendencies if that is that is that the right term? Yes. The harmonic series of a tuba is like when uh, like all instruments, once you get up into that higher range, the partials just get closer and closer. But um, yeah, I would guess I would say like how Cole said, just kind of very close and fluid things like that. So, um, you guys, that means your fundamental um of a C tuba would be C two, right? Uh, actually, um, the fundamental is C1. Yeah. Oh, so that means um, octave would be C2 and then G. Yeah. Okay, so that means the uh, 9 comes into play in the uh, in the staff, not above the staff, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so I had that wrong. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're most comfortable on the second harmonic um, mm -hmm. and above, so right? Yeah. For sure. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, which is kind of... Uh, it's kind of funny. Like it's it's weird to talk about um, tubas because you have so many different keys of instruments. Whereas like bass trombone, you have uh, your splat notes, which are the fundamental notes. You have your pedal tones, um, and then you have the sub pedal tones, which are fake notes. Yeah. Um, right. But those pedal tones are the fundamental. That's the very first harmonic. Then it goes octave. But tubas, you don't like to be on that fundamental, right? You can't really project. Well, or I like can to. you? I can. 
It, it just takes time. Some I can. people can. I'm, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just built different, all right? But, <laughs> but really, like, the so, moment you go below that, most people are just going to hear it as a sound effect, which is a perfectly valid use of it. Yeah. Okay. So if you're wanting to, like, support the ensemble really well, stay on the second harmonic as your bass note, or stay, or can you go lower to, like, fill the room as a... You can go or, to, like, an know. F below... Like that okay. happens a it happens a lot. Like, That's an F1. like even in our last piece in Symphonic Winds, like Havana, mm -hmm. we would we would go like to an A and then like an F and things like that just to like really support the okay. band. Yeah. yeah. And uh as you get a more confident player just in whatever ensemble you're writing for, you can write down to that D and it'll be pretty stable and it's not gonna sound uh too sound effect like. And it's an actual Two. note. Yeah. Um, but once you start going below there, it's not going to be as confident. And that's the yeah. lowest D on the piano. That's a that's a low D, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny, and really, funny you don't you say that. ever play down there anyway. So because the the key I, I'm writing your piece in is D Phrygian, or at least the first yes. piano Ooh, school. Nice. So, yeah, that, that's gonna note. be. Heck yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go. It's my favorite um, note because that's where the lick starts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> also, also where the funny Sans Undertale theme comes from. That starts on D as well. Yeah. Um, it just takes a lot of practice and development of a tuba player to just get comfortable in those lower ranges. Like the way that our professor... Uh, Dr. Dr. Bill Waterman at BSU here. He um he thinks of it as in like different registers. And I love this expression. So you have like your high register, right? And then you have your mid register, and then you have your cash register. And it's called the cash register because that's the majority of the things you're gonna get hired for to play. And so like yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it too. Like it makes so much sense in your head just because oh, like good. especially as a tuba player, because you're just most of the time asked to play low, which makes sense because we're like the largest instrument in the ensemble. Yeah. But yeah. What's your guys' uh, favorite rep? Like tuba rep? Um, Repertoire? Yes. Um, yeah. You want to go first? first. Right. Um, um, so if one of my favorite ones that I've ever played uh, unsuccessfully, but I did play it, was uh, Capriccio by Christoph Penderecki. And I love it because it's just so funky. Like, that's the one where I've seen a written G in the treble clutch staff. And it also goes down to, like, the D at the bottom of the piano. So just the range that uh, he writes for it, I absolutely love. And there's a point where he'll just start writing arrows instead of notes. He goes, yeah, play high, then play low. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I got it right next to me. You can look at that if you're there. Oh, okay. And I've dictated notes for what that means, but that's not what it means. It's just an up arrow, then a down arrow. And I just love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so if you get a chance, go listen to that. Absolutely. That piece. Cool. Um, I would say that, sorry, I was trying to look at it. But um, the my favorite piece that I've ever played successfully and like really enjoyed is this piece called Through the Tunnel 
by uh, Barbara York, which Bar- if you want to like look at really great composers for tuba, I would recommend looking at Barbara York because she's like super good at it. Um, I love all of her pieces. But it's this piece called Through the Tunnel. And I just love the main melody. And like there's two parts to it. It's not two movements, but there's like two parts to it. Mm-hmm. And like there's the like the fast part, which is like pretty um, technical. And it's just like super intense, just beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, you know, super um, on the beat. And then when you get to like that second section, it was just one of the prettiest pieces I ever played in my entire life. And I just, I hope to play it again at some point in college. It'll probably be part of my, uh, <laughs> my uh, senior recital, I think, just because like I just enjoy that piece so yeah, much. Man. And that, that's what I played my senior year in high school. Rest in peace, twenty twenty. Um, that year, but mm. but at least I got to perform it at like our districts or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. just that piece is probably one of my all time favorites. The one that I really enjoy just listening to. I don't think I'll ever be able to play it. Um, it's a uh, sweet for. Uh, oh shoot, wrong one. I hope it's not the whole sweet. It's not. I hate that. I love that. Yeah. It's called Tuba Concerto, like every other tuba solo. No, every other tuba concerto. Come on. Yeah. I think it's this one. Am I right? No, I'm wrong. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I'm looking through my Spotify right now. I can't remember. Oh, I found it. Never mind. It's called Tuba Concerto. What does OP stand for? Like option? Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, opus. opus. So it's like, yeah, yeah okay. that's basically just another word for like a work. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Tuba Concerto like... Opus um, 30, 139. Uh, By whom? I would recommend. Who? I would recommend. Look at what? Who's the composer? You never mentioned look- the composer. I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> It's Sorry, hard when you're I just a long and date. Just say the player. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what, sometimes like, that's do what that. it says. I'll just. Sorry, I'm like really disgusted. Oh, but good. it's it's tuba concerto opus thirty one thirty nine. Uh, let me look. There's keep no. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, well, yeah, it's a Oh, go ahead, Cole. I was gonna I was just gonna make say, up some um, random bullshit like, about stuff, but go ahead, Cole. <laughs> If you want to hear a great use of what I think people should look for in a tuba's high range, uh, listen to Hijinks for Solo Tuba and Band by Anthony O'Toole, who mm-hmm. he's a newer composer, and he actually does a lot of things. He also writes for tuba youth ensemble and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just such a beautiful use of that high range, and I would highly recommend it. Nice. Then if Stalin, you find Steven, it, Steven? You got it? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Yes, General, I accept please. that there's cookies on this website. Um so it's by Jorge Sal Salguero, I think is how you say it. And know. on this episode of White People Pronounce yeah. Everything Incorrectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should have taken Spanish. White kids in high from school, Idaho. But, yeah. <laughs> wow. Imagine being from Idaho. Jorge. I had an George. idea for like a prog rock song. 
that that was like uh <laughs> we're the hard white kids from idaho taking like carts from target <laughs> like stupid <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> Just like going to church like thirty minutes late. <laughs> Ooh, what a what a stuff. badass! I think yeah. that would be the funniest thing ever. But we the, should uh, start a po- oh sorry sorry no, we should good. start a second podcast of just us trying to pronounce stuff incorrectly, <laughs> like <laughs> trying to read a book and we just don't know the language. Just a Spanish book. Oh god. <laughs> um, Me, but know, that piece. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> May- <laughs> May Almo Elder White. Grassy ass said Pablo. Pablo. Pablo, you know. May May Almo Pablo Idaho. Escobar. <laughs> Just like- <laughs> but um to get back on topic, like that piece. <laughs> Steven, go. Sorry, but that piece, it really pushes the boundary of tuba playing. It has a super good, like, um, like melodic parts that also experience or like show you like what a tuba can sound like. But there's some weird things. Like it was definitely written by a tuba player because tuba players who compose things just love adding super weird, like so much, like, like they'll. Like, I remember once, it was back before Dr. Waterman got here, the old professor, um, Dr. Schneider. Schneider. Yeah, Adam Schneider. He had uh, this one piece he played that was called, like, uh, Tuba 4, but it was, like, spelled TB4U or something like that. Like, it was super weird. And it had, like, a sound system that he had to set up. And yeah, like there would be I've like heard of this. W- weird things that were going on. And then he also had another piece where he had like a bass drum in one hand and then like like some congas on the other other hand. So like he had a bass drum that he would hit with his foot and things like that. And then like another like a kick piece. drum? Yeah, like a kick drum. Set? Like okay. yeah. And then like in that piece he would like make random noises in his mouthpiece where he'd be like <laughs> like like just random things like that. For some reason, tuba players just demonstrated. Yeah, but just but just tuba players just loved love playing really weird things. But it's just kind of like in our nature, I think, is because yeah, we're so sense. we're so new and nobody really knows the boundaries that we can be put upon. Yeah, yeah it's a little brass section. Yeah, and also you your guys parts are, are really boring. I know because I play. It's true. So we like to experiment when we actually get the time. chance. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> there's things that we just do an ensemble when nobody is looking. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're in the back row and nobody can see you and you can just do all sorts of shit. Um, yeah. question for both of you let's start with cole um what is your favorite extended technique 
favorite extended technique um ooh i love multiphonics um mm-hmm. it's something i've started picking up more recently uh Stephen heard me do it in a studio one time so he can say whether or not i'm good probably not but it's pretty um, good it's pretty oh, good. cool thanks <laughs> but um that's always super fun and one that i haven't actually played that i absolutely love to hear uh there's a piece called grumpy troll and it's by mike forbes and you actually just take out your fourth valve slide since you don't technically need it to play any notes yeah, yeah. uh and then it's kind of like ones where you take out the the rotor one for trombone yeah yeah that's and, by brad edwards yeah yeah um and i just love it because it's such a different sound and it's like i always think of it like double bell euphonium or any like echo horns any echo trumpets if you've heard of those and because it, it's just completely different sound and i love it what does it sound like because you just um, describe it as different. It's what does it sound like? I would say think of it as sounding hollow almost. Um, it's, it's like, like when a, it's like when a trumpet player takes out their lead pipe and starts playing piece, mm-hmm. or like pulls out their uh, main tuning, tuning slide. Yeah, that's how they're just playing with the lead pipe. Yeah, you ever heard a trombone play without the bell part attached? <laughs> they just had what? the slide. Oh yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. Okay, it's really cool. I can demonstrate I really, uh... if you'd like. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you can have like you have a full range, right? You don't have because you don't have valves and it's not a tapered instrument, you do have full um it's not partials, right? You do have a fluid thing like your mouthpiece, or is that incorrect? Um there are partials. The well there partials. are partials with everything, but are you able to slide between them? Yeah, we can still go between them without that fourth valve. Um, it just limits our low range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm asking if you're playing the uh, fourth valve and you have, mm-hmm. uh, you're just playing that, which is just coming out of a different oh. end of the instrument. Yeah, you can oh. do. You can slide between, right? It yeah. sounds yes. okay. That's yeah. that was that my was question. Like, yeah, not like, like now that you removed part of the tuba, do you still have partial? No, um, stupid question. Um, yeah, okay, so, like, you can have, like, glissandas and stuff on that, and it sounds pretty cool, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Interesting. Steven, what about you? Uh, extended, favorite extended technique. So many. <laughs> yeah. That... Um, one of the most interesting ones to me right now is people who are trying to experience, like, their low range, like, to their extreme extremes. There's, like, this technique of playing... Um, where you can play like a double pedal C. It's super interesting. Below the piano. Below the piano. Like it's just a way that your lips can't vibrate that slow. So the way that you do it is that you kind of find yourself just like tonguing on your lips. But if you could do it like at the right frequency, you can actually get like a double pedal C. It's crazy. Like it sounds super weird because it's just like, like I can't do it. But I think that would be like one of my favorites just because like, it's so strange, and there's like three people in the world who can do it. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. You I don't really. Yeah, I can't really name any other extended, te- extended, extended techniques that I can think of. I don't know about. I don't know about you, Cole. I can't. I don't know. I don't really look at extended techniques that that much. It's not like altissimo or anything, which I guess. I don't know if that's extended. 
Wait, there's oh, altissimo on tuba? No. No. Okay. Uh, another thing that I would kind of say is if you want to hear what you're asking about, look up Fnug. Uh, F-N-U-G-G. Oh! Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's by okay. Fick, which I'm not going to spell out because that's just too much. But uh, if you want to hear some crazy stuff, go look for that. That basically combines everything we've said outside of, like, taking out a valve slide. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, another technique that people use is, like, beatboxing into a tuba. Oh, yeah. Which which uh, is pretty cool. Derek Brown. Yeah, I, things like that. But also sax. in tuba and fnug, uh, like fnug, that one, that one really has a lot of, like, a lot of beatboxing and secondary tapping on the instrument and things like that. Interesting. I would, re- I would recommend looking that up. You might just have to use like Google and be like mm-hmm. tuba fnug, you know, like you just don't really know how to, I don't, I can't remember how to spell it. Yeah. I don't right. remember. I just yeah, spelled so, it for you, Steven. Oh. Yeah. F-A-U- so I have a GG. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, when you get down really low, I love how you're talking about like your lips can't move that slow or um, like you're getting so flo- f- slow that you're actually, you, you didn't say frequency, you said tempo um, um, instead of like a buzz. And it's actually kind of funny because, you know, what really you're doing is you're creating a pulse, but um, mm-hmm. you go so fast that it sounds like a tone, Yeah, which... Um, it's funny. I'm going to pull up my metronome and I'm going to play a C. Uh-huh. Um, I love demonstrating this with people because like it goes to show that a metronome um, is the same as a tuner. It really effectively is exactly the same thing. So it's 850, I think 850 beats per minute times uh, with 16th note. I mean, 16th, 16 subdivisions per beat is what I do. So 800, no, it's 825. And that's a C2. So that's going to be, nope, that note. Da, dum. Nope. That's an A, sorry. That's my metronome doing that, yeah. not a tuner, right? It's not a tone generator. And so it sounds like, it's really annoying, yeah. right? Um, but like, but that's kind um, of what our lips do. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly yeah. what your lips do because. Um, I'm going to actually, there's another thing my uh, metronome can do is I can increase the tempo. Um, every one bar, I'm going to increase it by five beats per minute. Um, and you can start it slow. And so, like, as it goes up, you can hear, like, the pitch increasing. But if you mm-hmm. start it at, like, um, like 32... Sooner or later, it'll start hearing like it sound like a tone. And that's kind of what your um, that's so cool. <laughs> that's what your lips are doing. Yeah, that's kind of what your it's so um, cool to me. <laughs> like especially on tuba, you can find it because like, like the best way that to do like to explain to a small child or a middle schooler <laughs> how to uh, a start small playing, child. Yeah, <laughs> um, how to start playing tuba. Is like you ask them, like, hey, have you ever done like horse lips before? You know, when you're like, it's literally yeah. my embouchure sometimes, like when I mm-hmm. get to that lower range. So it's just a matter of like tightening that up. Like, 
I think a lot of tuba players say this, and some other musicians, like trombone players and things like that, where they say, like, tighten up your corners because some, like, at that point, you're not flexing the lip muscles that are here, but you're only flexing. I'm sorry, now like, I'm working on it. Corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the corner ones that are there. So then you get that, like, you know, oh, like just changing it over time is kind of like how a tuba embouchure works, which has always been interesting to me. Because, like, when a band director is going over things, where they're like, all right, trumpets, I need you to say E and then ooh, and then you got yourself your embouchure, whatever. You know, and then he and then he went over to me and he went, All right, Steven, I just need you to blow really loud. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and put your lips together. And I'm like, All right, I guess that's how you start playing tuba, is just to like it's not <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how it feels. Like once you get down to that Let's lower do ASMR range, just, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome back to Once you get down to that like, middle range Like it's just a slow That's kind of what happened <laughs> I saw this um, I saw this documentary or this I can't remember what it was called But these guys they were like Exploring embouchures And like people who like shift on their mouthpieces And things mm -hmm. like that To make a consistent airstream um, they had like a tuba player on there at one point and they all had clear mouthpieces and they were playing the tuba and then they put a slow motion camera on mm. and oh, I've never yeah. seen anything more disgusting in my <laughs> life than watching a tuba player just go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was like super close. He's like, bruh, 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 bruh. and I'm like, this is disgusting. <laughs> but but that's really how it works. Like what we're doing as brass players and even as saxophone players and things like that, well, it's just not natural. Yeah, it's weird. Like there's a reason why we get sore after playing a while mm -hmm. is that your lips aren't designed to go, you know, yeah. they're designed to talk. You know? Yeah, we just made them it, that way. They're human. Actually, yeah, they weren't designed like, to talk at first. They were designed to eat. And yeah, it's true. Gather substance, and then they evolved to talk. Um, you know what's kind of funny? We want to notify um, the tribe when we were back from the hunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that was it. That was the extent of it. <laughs> then they um, were like, you know, it's actually oh. kind of funny. Um, Stephen, how you mentioned how saxophones get fatigued as well, and a lot of people are like, oh, you play saxophone, you can't get tired. It's like, well, it's not true, right? And a Welcome lot of to my world, you hear that from trumpets <laughs> all the time because they get tired really, really quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, or flautists get really winded and you get uh, tuba players, you get winded really quickly if you're playing a long note for a long period of time. Um, but saxophones, like I can play for longer periods of time than trumpet players um, just because that's the nature of my instrument. It's it's easier to do that. However, um, I recently, you know, Alan Skirvin, um, I was recently recording a piece for him. He's a viola player. I was <laughs> recording a piece for him. And it took me seven hours to record all of them, uh, all four parts. And I recorded it four different times. So I had four tracks of the same thing in soprano, alto, tenor, berry. And holy crap, that like killed my embouchure. And yeah. that was Sunday. Um, seven hours of recording Jeez. the same thing. And, over yeah, and, over and it's and all over. on yeah. different instruments, too. Like, yeah, you know, it's Any not like you're just playing seven hours requires... on tenor alone. Actually, it was alto, yeah. alto, tenor, berry. But I, the berry, I dropped down an, oct uh, an alto. I played alto, but dropped it down an octave. So it was only two instruments. 
but switching between them over and over again and like having to do that um playing with like a berry style on an alto so i like articulate a little bit harder use different air like switching between that it like it killed my armature towards the end of it i had to yeah. be like horse lift like okay relax get back engaged yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting um, how everyone gets tired. It's every, mm-hmm. uh, except for violists. I mean, violinists like they can play for hours. Um, I mean, their fingers get tired just like our lips. Yeah, yeah. I was making a joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> electronic musicians. If, now they can play okay, forever. That's a different story. But the the computer will get tired. And... <laughs> the computer will get tired, <laughs> and then blue screen out of nowhere. You lose several hours of work. <laughs> Oh, I hate that so much. Yo. But um, yeah, it is true that like every wind instrument player just gets tired. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, yeah. Um, they get tired just because like it's a muscle working, and that's how you build up your chops. Mm-hmm. It's the same as lifting weights at the gym, you know, or going for a run. All of a sudden, your lips get, you know, stronger, and then you can play longer. Or you can play louder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best way to describe any. To any like student who's like struggling in something, it's like it's the mm-hmm. same as building up, you know, your cardio or yeah, it's exercising. Your, your weightlifting. It's exactly I mean, that, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. If you're getting winded, then just do breathing exercises, you know? Mm-hmm. Sumo's like a fun one. Love sumo. I love that one. My favorite. Yeah. Um <laughs> and to learn breathing exercises, actually, Bill is really good at talking mm-hmm. about breathing exercises. And the word he always uses is, let's say it together, flow. 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 Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love how we're all remote, so that all happened yeah, yeah, that all simultaneously happened in times. my ear, but different yeah. times. It's really funny. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, the word flow, and he uh, he he really talks about like where your air is coming from. It's actually really funny. So I went to the doctor recently, and you know how they like take the uh, uh, stethoscope and they're like listening to your lungs, and they go, "All right, so breathe." And I'm like, "Where? Where do I? Do you want me to breathe naturally? Do you want me to actually have a good breath? What do you want me to breathe? I don't understand because I had been like trained how to breathe as a musician, and so when the doctor's like through your lungs i don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's like i don't know dog just breathe Uh, yeah and they're like how is that hard for you like what the but like the thing is like as musicians as as wind players we really have to be thinking about where we're breathing and i i'm i I know this is a podcast and i'm like feeling my body like that no um (laughs) that was not the sentence to use (laughs) (laughs) you wanted to use adrian I chose my words very carefully, Adrian. There's a reason why I said that. No. Um, so, like, feeling our, like, feeling where our breath is um, and where, like, you, you don't want to be breathing on your chest, right? You don't want to be, because it's going to sound like, right? But you want to be breathing. <laughs> I love how we're all like holding our nipples right now. <laughs> well, I do not want to be included in that statistic. I am not a part of this. I am not. somewhere else. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> so, like, breathing in different. Sp- okay. I am sorry. I got us on that tangent. I am so sorry, guys. Okay. So. 
as Adrian is dying, I'm going to be talking about breathing. So, you, like, you, uh, you can breathe through your neck, you can breathe through your chest, and you can breathe through your stomach. And so breathing through your neck is going to sound like, and it's going to, like, sound really bad, right? And it's going to sound really tense. <laughs> Adrian's just, like, dying. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. I haven't laughed that hard in a while. So good. Nice. Get, get on you guys. <laughs> Um, and then you have breathing with your chest, which is still going to sound like high and it's going to be like, you know, and it, it's still not the best breath you can get. And actually, when people breathe like that, they often move their shoulders, too. And so um, for those people who are if we upload this on YouTube, those people who are watching on YouTube, it's going to look like breathing there. And that's a symptom of them breathing with their chest and not breathing down low and breathing down low. Their stomach is going to move out. And so what you do is you put your hand on your chest, your one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach. Um, not side by side, one hand on your hand, one hand on your, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? And you, you try to feel, you don't feel your chest move. You feel your, uh, stomach move because you want your lungs to expand downward and not outward. Cause here's the, the thing. Diaphragm, not your lung. Y yeah. You, well, your diaphragm is what makes you breathe, right? Your, yeah, your yeah, diaphragm yeah. is it's just some people think. Yeah. Um, and your lungs are expanding because that's how breathing works, right? Yeah. Um, and so when if, if you're breathing right here, if you're breathing in your chest, it's going to sound weird. But also, if you're trying to breathe through your rib cage, it's not going to work because your rib cage is solid, right? The only way really your lungs can expand is downward. And if you feel your back, if you feel your muscles when you breathe, it's really your stomach going in and out. Um, and that's your lungs expanding downwards, pushing um, and, yes. and your diaphragm uh, engaging. I shouldn't say uh, tensing or anything it's it's engaged um because it, there's good tension and bad tension right yeah. you have engaged is good tension and bad tension is like stress like just right tensed up all the time tight yeah, yeah. it's just like dut, so dut, dut. like no don't do yeah that. it's bad <laughs> um so that that's the way like we think about breathing and so when the doctor's like uh breathe i'm like what where <laughs> So, like, that's what I was thinking about. That's why I was thinking that for you people, uh, for, like, pianists who don't really think about breathing or, um, or, um, string you players. Who, you people. Yeah. You uh, people. people. <laughs> you other musicians. You non-wind players. You won't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> but the thing is, you they do breathe. You don't know me. <laughs> they should breathe, struggles. but they don't need to, like, think so hard about breathing. You don't know me. You don't um, know me. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing that um, irks me is that, like, with, with piano players, they can literally just sit down and press a note, and it sounds that way every single time. Whereas, like, on yeah, brass so instruments, much, it's just well, like, yeah. well, I mean, here's a dartboard that's also moving so at 30 mile an hour wind. Yeah. Have fun. Wait, <laughs> Almost so literally. Like, you know when Cuba player, like, Sousa players are playing outside in the wind, and they're just, like, being knocked over because it's so, oh like, they have a giant it's like having thing. Yeah, it's like having a wind sail on your back. Yeah, like, literally. <laughs> I, I love that so much, my, just watching my, the tuba players fall over. My trombone slide cover does that, too, sometimes. Like, that, that one oh, rehearsal yeah. where it was really windy this year, it was like, sometimes I'd be playing, and then it just goes, what? And I'm like, oh, I just gotta bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just try that, like, this. <laughs> <laughs> When I played uh, in high school, my marching band, we didn't use sousaphones. We used contra bass or used contra tubas. Yeah, which yeah. Which are ones that could just go on your shoulder. Yeah. Kind of like a normal tuba. Just... Now that 
That is absolutely terrible during the wind because you don't just go backwards. You also go side to side. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. What do you guys prefer? And those Contra things are heavy. In marching band. Uh, Sound-wise, in high school band, in like DCI, definitely Contra. Mm-hmm. But college, I think sousaphone is the best preferred instrument for college band. You no, know, that's actually kind fun. of funny. Um, Cause I asked the same question to other people uh, to like Michael Hubert and he said, Sousa is going to sound better, but the Contra looks better. And so that's why you want to use it in the uh, I, I, I'm not going to be mad at Michael, but I strongly disagree. I agree. Yeah. With what Michael. I like to say is I respect you. Disagree disagree with with no, I think Contra I hate sound all better. of that's you. just me. Yeah. Contra sound like in my opinion, that made like, mine, more like a may not have been Michael. I think that was Michael, but I'm not sure. Sousa's um, sound good for certain things. They sound better yeah. for certain things, like a street band, sousaphone. College band, in my opinion, since it's all about entertainment, sousaphone. But like when it comes to wanting to sound like an orchestral band, like in high school or in oh, that know, makes sense. drum corps, I think that a contra tuba sounds better, in my opinion. Because it's closer but to a tuba. Everybody's, everybody's allowed to have their own... The only opinion uh, people are not allowed to have is liking the sound of fiberglass. That's the only thing. True. You're not allowed to have like like plastic (laughs) instruments. Yeah, plastic plastic instruments as well. But like, there's a lot of fiberglass sousaphones in the world. Why? And they, well, like, because they're cheaper. Yeah. So a lot of school programs who can't afford like a full brass one will just get those, which is unfortunate. But also, it's like, just save up a little more. You know? Like, well, yeah. the difference is usually like a regular Sousa is like 10,000 and a fiberglass is like three and a half thousand. So it's a big difference. <laughs> and that's you why you totally cut out. Huh? You totally cut out for like, yeah, most of that. Oh, fantastic. But I think Audacity you're like between it. and uh, about 3,000. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, what you sounded like. <laughs> amazing. Let's see if I can get it out this time. The difference is like a regular sousaphone is going to go around ten thousand, mm-hmm. and a fiberglass is yeah. going to go for about three and a half. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the thing with music, uh, musical instruments. Um, you get what you pay for. Like, um, that's that goes for everything music. You will get what you pay for. Um, if it, even if it's like asking a composer to write something, if you pay them five bucks, they'll write you a five dollar piece of music. Yeah, just saying. It's like you don't It'll you don't like, go to McDonald's expecting like you know Olive Garden level stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> you just kind of yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like <laughs> the that's another thing to talk about is just the fact of how expensive being a a tuba player can be. Yeah, yeah. like there's a reason why Joe plays on a school horn right now. It's not because he doesn't want a tuba, but they're so expensive. Yeah, and they like, can they can go up to like fifteen to even twenty, thirty grand. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're so pricey. you got to be really it's pretty bad. It, it's comparable to French horns. French horns and tubas are the most expensive brass instruments out there. Mm-hmm. And then like wind instruments, it then goes bassoon. Bassoon yeah. goes up to like fifteen, twenty, thirty. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah the so rich man's bassoon. A beautiful <laughs> instrument. I love that <laughs> instrument. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy the sound of a bassoon. Oboes are also really spendy. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. another one. Yeah, I have a story about, about a... 
I have a story about a. Um, did I tell the story about the oboe that fell? Oh yeah. no, I did it during Bree's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Dang it, I'm not gonna do it again. Listen to Bree's podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's the oboe one. Um, oh, that was so funny. Oboe. But yeah, just oboes or like just okay, music's just expensive in general, but yeah. especially mm-hmm. for like, especially for like tubas and like larger instruments like that. Like I want a new tuba really bad, but like I'm not about to spend nine thousand, nine thousand on a tuba, you know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a little much. <laughs> like my horn, my horn, um, is like, you know, over fifty years old. You know, mm-hmm. it's definitely been used by a lot of owners, but it still goes for five thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, like the car that I drive in costs less than the tuba that's yeah. in it. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> my saxophone is more than my car. <laughs> yeah, if I bought the horn that I own new, I would have dropped fourteen thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's, that's what's crazy. Like, if you buy something new, you get what you pay for. If you buy something used, that's where you have to really like pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If something's expensive, you're probably getting something good. But However, you should still pay take attention. Something that's expensive. And just immediately assume it's amazing. Assume. Don't do Actually, that. Do your research. And don't take stuff before spending don't like take 10K. Brands, yeah. Don't take brands that you like recognize or like names that you recognize and assume that they're good. I once had a student come in on a oh god, what what's it what's that Adrian, what's that guy's name that I hate? What? Um saxophonist. What? Um he's like popular and I freaking hate God, what's his name? I hate him so much Better I can sex? never remember his name. Kenny G. What? Better Kenny sex? G. Thank oh, you. Oh, Kenny G. Yeah. I f- oh, hate him so is. much. Um, Kenny G's a joke in the music, like the professional music. He world. is. He oh, really, really is. He makes um, way more than anybody else, but he's also a joke. He's a joke. <laughs> um, he came, uh, a, a student came in with a Kenny G saxophone and said, oh, I bought this because Kenny G's a great player. And I assumed that it's a, it'd be a good horn because Kenny G It's like, dude. Kenny G wouldn't play on a Kenny G horn. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. He definitely does. If the artist he doesn't play on their own probably. horn, don't, pl- don't buy it. Don't. Yeah. Don't most buy tu- it. Most professional tuba players play on their own horns, which they don't even like. Most of the time, they don't own their own model. I mean, like, you could be like Alan Bear. Yeah. Who, like, <laughs> who, that's a good uh, modern player to look up uh, is Alan Bear. He plays on his own uh, his own horn, the Bear, from by a... Uh, what is it, Mel Shelton? What is it? Mel Shelton? No, not Mel Shelton. What is oh. that company? I, I don't oh know. My gosh, you know what's crazy? It's on the tip of my tip of my tongue. Um, Continue. Similar to this conversation, like string players, um, like you know how uh, Stradivarius violins can go for like millions and millions of dollars, right? And there's a reason for that because they're you know freaking amazing violins. Strads. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and um, they uh. The, nobody buys those violins. No person buys those because no musician is capable of making that amount of money. But those violins um, are great violins and they need to be played because they sound gorgeous and you want to have people play on them. And so what they do is they host competitions um, and whoever wins the violin competition for that year or for um, for those five years gets to play on that Stradivarius violin. Um and so they have to prove they're capable of playing, uh, like worthy of playing it. It's it's like being knighted, yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. Britain. It's like you, you run get the your gauntlet. violin, you run the gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, I wonder if there's similar things for like tubas or uh, for any other instrument. Yeah. Like um, you get to play on this tuba. Um, it's can... worth several seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, you're raising your hand. Yeah. I found this out like not that long ago. Yeah. But the uh, the player, the tuba player that gets chosen for the Chicago Symphony, like the Chicago Symphony. They play the on Symphony? the Chicago Symphony tuba. Like, they have their own okay. tuba that was played by, like, Arnold Jacobs, which is one of the greatest tuba players of all time. Just things like that. That horn goes for... Yeah. Jamie Carney. Um, that horn goes for about... Off the top of my head, I think about, like, 80000 <laughs> Oh, <laughs> just because, Just because the history behind it and just things like that. Like Arnold Jacobs' personal tuba will never sell, like mm -hmm. not the one that's in the Chicago Symphony, but that will never sell. But that's worth like a million dollars, like probably more, just because Arnold Jacobs. And I can't tell is, you whose Alan Bear's horn is made by, though. And the thing it's, is, uh, like they need to be played because they mm -hmm. are instruments; they are musical yeah. instruments. There's and... no other tuba in the entire world that sounds like that tuba, mm -hmm. like companies try and copy it but there's something about just that tuba that just change it like is totally different than anything else same with like a stradivarius yeah and you know, once like, you once you get to a certain point once you're like trying to spend like a certain amount of money on your instrument like for saxophone if you're spending like ten thousand dollars on an instrument maybe you shouldn't be because if you have reached that point where you are worthy of a ten thousand dollar saxophone you are going to be, you should be at least paid for to use that instrument or like you should be yeah. branded, but not branded. You should be, um, there's, there's you a, make a brand it. sponsored. It, it's yeah. Sponsored. Yeah. yeah. You, like, yeah. like Artists, it's, it's, it's cool. If you artist. wear, it's cool. If you wear Gucci, but it's cooler if Gucci pays you to wear Gucci. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It's like that. Like, like, like Dr. Waterman, he's a, he's an Eastman artist. All right. Like, like that's why he plays on it. Which also, for people looking for a tuba out there that's not as expensive as, like, say, $14,000, things like that, I would recommend looking into Eastman tubas. Not because just my professor uses them and, like, the school owns one because, it, <laughs> because we're kind of like an Eastman tuba school, it seems like. Um, but also, they're just really good horns, especially for the price. Mm -hmm. But um, that Alan Bear horn that I was talking about earlier, that's made by uh, Minel Weston. Minel Weston. They make really expensive horns, but they're also like top notch. Yeah, we're a little bit off topic right now. We're, we're going no, into like it's, 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 all, it's still relating to tubas. It's yeah. still tubas. And, and music. that's what's kind of crazy about this podcast. I mean, the more we do this podcast, the more I realize how much we have to say, you know? Like, before I started, before we started, it was like, how are we going to have more than, like, five podcasts? But now we're, like, at yeah, 21. Yeah, this is 21. <laughs> we're like, yeah. And we now know, it's like, oh, we could do, like, 300 episodes. It's like, the podcast um, can legally drink now. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's crazy. Because yeah, I, I, when I was doing we're this, I was, like, I was pretty nervous, like, at the start. Because I was like, mm -hmm. I don't really think I have, like, a whole lot to say. But um, turns out you do. You just have to, like, Yeah, and that's what's going to be crazy. Yeah. If you're put in the right scenario, you will live up to that scenario. Yeah. 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 I mm -hmm. believe. 
and I think this is this is where I live. This is like this is like really good for me, um, personally. I need a podcast after. Yeah, this. I like yeah, I like, I like oh, yeah. podcasts. I like doing podcasts. They're they're a lot of fun. Um, even though nobody's gonna listen to them, but like, yeah, so like cool. even uh even if Someone like, um this podcast stopped, like I'd probably start my own. Yeah, call it like the Frycast. I want to. I want to continue this podcast. Like honestly, I know I'm going to graduate, and this is Boise State University podcast. Yeah. But yeah. after I graduate, I want to continue doing this podcast. But I know I shouldn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd love to continue working with you guys, but at one at some point, I need to leave. I know that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's, it's like gotten to the point where like, as soon as I graduate, like, I'm just gonna, you know, cut ties with it. Like it, it's going to be done. Like you guys can have me on as like a guest or whatever. Um, but I really, I really want to. I love see, how you say you guys. I really want to see this really like, you. this, like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking ownership after you yeah, guys. <laughs> I really want to see this like live and move on after I leave. Like, yeah, like, it's just like part of a legacy. I think that would be really cool. Um, just yeah. and that's where like cool, the composition uh, cool club is going. Yeah, right. That's gonna help. The what? So we have a composition club and organization type of thing, similar mm-hmm. to the trombone uh, ensemble. Uh, yeah. Um, How dare yeah. you even bring yeah. up that uh, yeah. club when you could just bring up Low the better team. one, team. the Tuba Youth Ensemble Musicians Organization? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Adrian's like, no, 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 no. Vice president of that organization. Low brass club, which consists of primarily trombones. Let's go. It's entirely trombones. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's supposed to be trombone club. It's so, so funny. yeah, the um, uh, we're the BSU comp- composition studio is creating a podcast, and so we're right now we're named the uh, Take Note Podcast with Taylor King and Adrian Fryer, whatever. But really, it should be the BSU composition studio. Um, but right now the co-hosts are Adrian Fry and Taylor. Yeah, and I think I think it's just um, gonna it's just gonna change like when when we leave. Yeah, it'll be like Take Note. With, so Cole, uh, you know, whoever someone and someone because we don't know yeah. who it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so That's Cole, cool. you're gonna have to redesign the uh, logo. To <laughs> no, yeah. That. yeah, you don't have. We'll to. pay you an you entire thirty million. We're already paying him hundred percent royalties. We have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we're a little, we're we're way off topic, and we we do Doesn't that in this podcast though. a lot. Um, We've been at this for about an hour forty. So. Yeah, we, yeah, we well the actually the podcast has been yeah, one hour and twenty minutes now, but uh including the pre-show, it's at one forty. Um yeah. one fifty actually. Which you can sign up for on Patreon by Patreon. giving us money. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Actually we have subtle plug, <laughs> subtle plug, subtle plug. I mean two uh, two pre-shows for this on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be two because I'm an idiot and I forgot yesterday oh was Monday God. and um I had work at three and it was three oh six and I was like <laughs> So I have work at three. Um, I have to go. <laughs> um, and right at right oh, at that, that moment, so my computer decided to just puke. And oh like, yeah, oh, yeah. It was at the moment. <laughs> everything like, halted. Like like everything. Oh, everything God, that so could funny. have gone wrong in that moment went wrong. Like the world was on fire. <laughs> on fire. So yeah, Stephen. Like I was. In- I think I was introducing you. It's just like, all right. So Stephen, you are blah 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 blah. And then you froze immediately. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, let's go to Cole. Cole, you're a blah 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 blah. <laughs> Um, and then Adrian was like looking at his phone and it looked like he was panicking and he's like, okay, so guys, I have work at three. We look down, it's three Oh six. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I like phrasing it like that. Um, it's yeah. just funny. Like, <laughs> I, have, I have work at three. Like, ooh, instead of saying I so had a meeting time... at two 30, say I have a meeting at two 30. So that way it's like, oh, yeah. whoops. <laughs> and so Steven, you came back on and, uh, you were just like, okay, so are we going? Because Cole, you left, 
and Adrian left like simultaneously. And then right after Steven com- came on and he's like, so we do it. Wait, where is everybody? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was there. I was just like, okay, so here's, here's what happened. Like Adrian had to dip. <laughs> so that was, that was a, that was oh, a trip. That, was that a, reminds me. Really funny. Uh, because do you have work at entrance doesn't exist anymore i made the logo because uh yeah now you guys know no that's in the uh yeah that's in the that's in the pre-show yeah exactly but um, oh yeah 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 Yeah, we forgot to introduce you on this one thank you so much it looks great (laughs) i love it yeah it was really fun i really appreciated i love making it yeah, yeah, because you, uh, we, we did our first like two podcasts. <laughs> really? And we I published need a logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Cole was just like, as I was listening to him, I was just drawing this, and I was like, okay, and it's actually really funny because Adrian, you, uh, you were, you and he were talking, and then, um, Cole, you sent me the logo, or I, I was like, I didn't make the connection that it was Cole Marsh. And oh. I thought it was just some random Cole um, who made our logo from like the graphics design department. And so I'm just like, okay, Cole, I don't know who you are, but like, uh, thank you for doing yeah, this. Cole I appreciate Marsh. it. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah, but then Cole was my like, full name in my email, the picture for it is a tuba. <laughs> I, I didn't, it did not make the connection at all. <laughs> like, that's. That's the tuba that I've been playing with for a year now. And so I, yeah, nah. <laughs> I felt like such an idiot. Uh, not but... <laughs> hey, hey, like my email, like people don't realize my emails from me just because uh, like my, my, uh, like my, what is that? The icon, like my mm-hmm. profile picture. It's like from WikiHow, How to Play Tuba. <laughs> like, <laughs> it looks really stupid. <laughs> it's just like this. And super enthusiastic woman, like drawing. I'm trying to find the uh, uh, email now so I can just see how embarrassed I was. Cole Marsh, there you are. Oh, I see the tuba now. It's like a cartoonish. Yeah. um, It was a concept drawing for Cuphead if they were going to have musical instrument bosses. Hi, Cole. This is awesome. I really appreciate the effort. Um, Okay, I'm curious. Okay, yeah. So here's what I I really appreciate the effort. I'm curious, where are you from? I think Adrian talked about you in our second episode, but I don't remember him telling me who you are. (laughs) 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 And and immediately after, it's just like, hey, I'm the tuba player Cole from the Boise State you've known for a year now. (laughs) Oh god. Oh my god. Oh, that was so embarrassing. It was good though. Yeah, I loved getting to do that. <laughs> that was but awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate all the work that you put into that. Because right. it started out was just a, like a blank. So for the people on the YouTube, uh, looking at it on YouTube, you can see um, that's what it looks like. Um, and then if I scroll down, like you change it to that, um, and then immediately after, you guys can't see what I'm doing, but um, nope. it would, um, <laughs> it immediately. After a little bit of texturing and like fading and stuff, it changed to this. So it looks pretty cool. Yeah, anyway, you know, I'll post all the pictures. My um, favorite thing for a podcast is when a host says, and then it looked like this, and then this, <laughs> and then this. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. So we, we were posting this on YouTube, the video of this. So that's oh. why I moved. Um, um, but also in the link of the podcast description, I will have links to those images so they know what I'm talking about. 
So I should say it like a textbook. Figure 1.1, 1. 1, actually, <laughs> figure, actually 21. figure 1.7. Figure 21.1, and 21.3. No. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I always hate that in other podcasts, especially ones that include like a TV screen or whatever. And they're like, check out this video. And like literally all you hear is the audio from the video. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> H3H3 yeah, in the last you. episode that I just edited with the Justin uh, podcast, I instead of saying uh, let's listen, I said let's watch because we were watching a video, but it's podcast, and so they're listening. Yeah, yeah. Be- so yeah. anyway, yeah, I think the definition of podcast has definitely been stretched throughout the a bit. Years, yeah, just with the YouTube, you know? like the Joe Rogan yeah. podcast being recorded, and like the H3H3 podcast, be- as well as the Misfits mm-hmm. podcast. Like all those podcasts are like live in person. Yeah. So it. it, it so we're going to have to bleep all of those because they are competitors. So. <laughs> yeah, direct competitors. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Joe State Rogan, University Composition Studio. <laughs> like one of the podcasts that I really enjoy that I can't watch outside is a podcast put outside. What? And like, I don't know if you guys have seen them. So they just go in random places with a table and like microphones. And then they'll be like, be a guest on our podcast. We'll give you a dollar. So they just have random people on the street like come up to their booth. I would recommend looking it up, but it's like um but I can't watch that unless I'm watching the actual YouTube video mm-hmm. just because like the audio is like so useless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But yeah. Moral of the story, tubas are pretty dope. I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, anything else you guys like to talk about with tubas? Um oh, I have one thing that I you might find interesting, Taylor. Did you know that the direct instrument that went into becoming the tuba is also the direct instrument that went into becoming the saxophone? It's called the Ophiclide. It was the direct predecessor to both. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was made in Dublin, Ireland in 1821. Uh, and it inspired Adolf Sax. To make mm-hmm. the saxophone, and it's this long tube that has pads, just like a saxophone, but you just plug in a tuba mouthpiece. I really oh, want one. They're oh, so actually, expensive, though. I have a picture of that on my wall. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, and it's written. It's developed by Adolf Sax, right? Um. It was actually made by uh, Joseph Halliday. Okay. I think you're thinking of a different thing. I think. I think I am. It's very similar, mm-hmm. though. The Adolf Sax also the... um, invented the flugelhorn, which mm-hmm. was originally called the soprano sax horn, which sax horn is uh, its own word. It yeah. is not the soprano sax horn. It's the soprano sax horn, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a cool thing. Um, another predecessor to the tuba was called the, uh, the serpent, which is a pretty interesting thing. It kind of just looks like this giant snake. That's why it's a serpent. I love how you're and doing this he... on a podcast. Yeah, okay, wave, you know, like what? Uh, okay, like imagine the a snake out there. There you go. Imagine a snake, boom, put a tuba mouthpiece in his mouth, you got set. Um, but like, just there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't realize about the tuba, and I'm glad that we were able to uh, talk about this, talk about that yeah. on this podcast. The podcast that nobody listens to. Watch this when well, we get like this huge influx of. Uh, like listeners they're like nobody listened to this and they're just like you're lying like, <laughs> liar yeah. i see the spotify stats i know yeah, if you 
I was thinking about this. If this ever like gets like really big, which I don't know. It hopefully, could. like I mean, it could. It would be cool. Like if you guys started doing a thing. Since this is the Take Note podcast, they had people like write intros to the Take Note podcast. Yeah, like, we're compose. thinking. Yeah, we're thinking of having the BSU Comp Studio write stuff for us. Um, yeah. More, because right now it's just my marimba quartet um, thing that I compose, and now it's just like, hey, this is kind of cool, and it works for a um, for the uh, yeah, as well as know, just podcast. showing off some podcast. of the comp majors as well. So yeah, but our, our goal is cool. to our our main goal for this podcast was to um, like get Boise State out there more, just in terms of yeah. composition mm-hmm. and everything. Um, that was the main goal of this podcast. Um, we've kind of like drifted a little bit. Like we're not like super, um, we're not like super about that goal anymore. We we still keep it in mind and we still want to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. represent Boise State in the best way possible. But we also, even though I call it out every podcast. Yeah. Even though, um, but we still want to, you know, talk about, uh, other things as well. Like, you know, tuba for instance, or like oboe. Like how to mm-hmm. how to best like um use those instruments mm-hmm. in music um because we're also like I guess a, we could talk about yeah we're also like a podcast Sorry for beca- like beginning composers as well like helping and them we've, get yeah. grounded yeah we've even uh, like introduced people like I've we've brought on Bear Barrett Moffitt from C of I not even associated with Boise State University but yeah. she mm-hmm. plays cello is also a composer so it's like it's tied in with our mission but like. Um, we like, there's a reason why we're on discord and I kind of have it as you have, you can be a guest community member. Um, and so like I've tried to design it so that people can, um, listen in and join us. Um, and if we get growing to like a large community, we have the ability to do that with discord. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, like it, it probably won't take off, but you know, if it does, um, but you know, or, I mean, if it doesn't, then um, yeah, you can always. <laughs> um, we have a <laughs> um, we have um, like a bunch of uh, we can put this on our resume. It's like, hey, um, we did this podcast, and if you want to know more about me, listen to this podcast. This is what I know <laughs> about music. This is maybe us. there's some things in the pre-show we shouldn't talk about. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah don't a, listen to the pre-show. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Like, like even even in that case, like they are they are paying me money to like be judgmental about me. So yeah. So um, in the in the long <laughs> in the in the in the long game, I win in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so also we can use this as like we can uh, as as future um, like professors. I maybe I'm a composition professor in the future. I refer people back to this podcast and. Hey, you want to learn how to write for tuba? Listen to this. Here's here's information. Also, we like screw around and like have fun talking about breathing. But um (laughs) from where? Um, Your lungs, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But like that's kind of like the there there are multiple things we can do with this podcast, and I don't want to uh, limit ourselves too much. But I do want to keep that in mind. Like, we want to have Boise State University. Like, this is us. This is Boise State University Composition Studio. Here's what we're doing. Also, we're learning, right? But right now, it's more focused on learning and interviewing people. So, Stephen, awesome. were you going to say something? Um, I guess one thing we could talk about, which I was going to talk about, like when we were plugging things, but it's also a good conversation. 
Um, huh? You haven't plugged anything yet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, well, you plugged in your XLR cable. Well. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Adrian another... leaves. <laughs> <laughs> A goal, bro, <laughs> of me and Cole... Um, Steven, go. And, God. Yeah, I'm trying. What do you think? <laughs> but a goal of me and Cole and also other people in our organization, the organization we talked about earlier, Timo, our goal in that entire thing is to put BSU like music, to, like brass department out there. Same as you guys are trying to do with this podcast and your club is just trying to get our name out there because pretty much all BSU is known for is football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, like football, you know, women's Thunder. basketball. And women's basketball. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people, they praise the football team, but it feel, it, I really hope that, like, people start to realize that, like, BSU has so much more to offer mm -hmm. than just, like, just, just football. football. Like, yeah. obviously, I'm a freshman, so I don't know everything it has to offer, but I I'm do know that I BSU... Do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But I do know that, like, BSU has more to offer than people give it credit for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really cool, like, how much BSU does. And even without you, like, knowing it, like, Blue Thunder is amazing, but they don't just teach, here's how you march, here's marching, and here's, we're marching for shows. They also di teach discipline. They teach you structure. Yeah. They teach, uh, like, and they, like, that's not, like, part of the curriculum that's just how it works it won't function otherwise yeah and in doing so it teaches people how to have time management and that's and that's what's pretty awesome yeah. about about like the music department and this is it's teaching you way more than just your just how to get how to your play instrument. your instrument or whatever it's teaching you multiple things like communication skills it's teaching you um i mean not really me for like being social but like uh like it's teaching you so many different things, and I really appreciate that about college that I have gotten that experience. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, it's the same for here. high school as well. Like, high school extracurricular, like, in music is just, is also Absolutely. Like really important. That's um, one of the problems I have with, like, this this country, or at least some states, with, like, more unfortunate areas. And just with art funding. funding in general. Exactly. It's absolutely Art abysmal. is important. And people don't realize it just because not everybody goes into it as a career. Yeah, let's keep buying mm -hmm. jets, everybody. Great idea. Yeah, just like let's keep buying the football team a new set of uniforms that they don't need. You know, it's just like it, and it seems ridiculous to professors. me when schools get rid of their music program or even just their art program in general. Yeah, it's just it's, like it's it really saddens sad me. See. Yeah, because not everybody's into sports. Not everybody's into the clubs that the school has to offer. Yeah. You yeah, know, and like, I don't look at BK nearby. BK, mm -hmm. they didn't, they don't have a music program, so they mm -hmm. made one, which is their club. You know, things mm -hmm. like that. And it's really sad. Like if you look at, um, if you look at a bunch of like, well, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but those people who are in music in particular do score better, score higher yeah. on math, score higher on science. They under, they are better at that. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know the exact reason why, but I could g make a guess, um, rhythm, understanding rhythm to a deeper and more fundamental level. You can understand math better. Like, here's an example. I actually just taught my, one of my students this, um, 
who, who's just learning rhythm. And I said, you know that math problem where it's one plus one half plus one quarter plus one eighth plus one sixteenth over and over and over again until you reach infinity, one over infinity. Um, or I should say one over infinity uh, squared, I think. Yeah, no, um, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, you're one over base two, one, two to the infinity. There we go. One over two to the infinity. Um, when you reach that number, um, all of those added together, what does that equal? It equals two. But here's another way to look at it. You have a whole note plus a half note plus a quarter note plus an eighth note plus a sixteenth mm -hmm. note over and over and over again. You have, what is that equal to? That's equal to two whole notes, right? And that, like, we, um, as musicians, if we understand rhythm really well, or if we understand pitch, more, we understand frequency, we actually start to understand the logarithmic scale because that's mm. where basically everything exists on. Not a linear scale, a logarithmic scale. So one, 10, 100, instead of one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it... it Another... It, it helps us. Math, uh, I mean, music helps us in math. Steven, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, another thing that, like, music teaches, like you touched on earlier, is it teaches discipline, mm, you know, yeah. in, in your life and also just in education itself. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw this thing where I don't know the exact source, but it was, like, there's a lot of CEOs in life and, like, businesses or business owners, they took music and it just, it gave them a lot of discipline and a way to push themselves because you push yourself to be, say, better at your instrument, then you'll push yourself to finish a English essay, you know, mm -hmm. to finish mm -hmm. a science project, things like that. Like life lessons that you learn in music that you probably won't learn anywhere else. Like obviously you can learn discipline from sports, but it's like a different type of discipline because you're disciplining yourself in a sport most of the time with everyone else. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. But in band, if you take the time to do discipline by yourself, you know, I want to practice, I want to do this, mm -hmm. I want to get better, then um, then you, you work at it and you get better at it, you know? I saw like this thing where it was like, music doesn't really, it can, but music doesn't really deal in if, buts, or maybes. It deals in absolutes. Where if you, it was a weird expression. What do you mean? And basically, like, it's hard to explain. But, like, if you want to get better, that's the if that you deal with. Then you do the absolute, which is practice. I will practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you so know, you're saying, you're saying I'll the, practice. the process of, like, learning your instrument is, like, the absolute. Okay, yeah, you're not exactly. saying, like, music in general is just all absolute. Okay, no, cool. no, okay. not at all, because it's an art at the end of the day. But when it comes to wanting to get better, that's your absolute, is that you have to practice. Not maybe I'll practice, and then you don't end up doing it. Yeah. But absolutely, you do practice, which most of the time, if you're doing good practice, then the absolute is you'll get better. Yeah, practice Those doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Really understand perfect that. Perfect practice makes perfect. Because if you practice yeah, the wrong perfect thing, practice doesn't it's exist. really hard to break it. Yeah, and that's why I don't think <laughs> Adrian yeah. knows what that's like. <laughs> oh man, um, my uh, my junior high band director um, likes to say um, uh, perfection is not a destination, it is but a direction. Um, yeah, excellence. If you are striving to re uh, for perfection, you will achieve excellence. Is another saying that I really like. Um, 
and that, that really kind of goes on with what we we're saying with practicing and discipline and all of these things um and music teaches so much more than just that it teaches community mm-hmm. it teaches you are not you're you are not doing this for you you're doing this you are contributing to a larger whole and that's who you are and part of society a lot like there's kind of a reason i'm going to get a little bit political here political here but um a lot of there's a reason why a lot of people in um music um are just tend to be more liberal than they do um conservative they just tend to be because they're not thinking me 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 they're thinking us um and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that republicans always think me 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 but but rugged individualism is a big part of the platform yeah yeah um they don't wear masks just saying oftentimes they don't wear masks so they're only thinking about themselves not about other people that's part of but the individual hey, hey my dad my dad's a republican he wears a mask Same. good he's good a for good, him he's a nice guy he's a nice guy. good he's someone yeah. he he he's breaking the norm he doesn't think me he thinks us and that's what's that's he likes to do it i just because, made a generalization or, yeah he does it and so does my mom though they're both pretty hardcore republican okay. but it's just the reason they wear a mask this is totally off topic completely but like they wear a mask because this is the way that I think everybody should think about it, not just your own personal health, but to make others at ease and to make other people feel better. And yeah. like thinking about other people, like obviously like I've already had the virus. So mm-hmm. technically I shouldn't have to wear a mask at least for like six months, you know, even though like reinfections, like only two people in the entire world. But oh, it's like, more than that. I think it's two people in the United States right now. Yeah, which is still like a... You know what I mean. Anyways, but like I wear a mask not because I feel like I'm going to get the virus, but I wear the mask so other people are at ease and like that's kind of how I function in life. Yeah, I wear a mask not because I don't want myself to get sick, but because I don't want other people to get sick from me. Exactly. If I'm asymptomatic, it's possible for me to breathe on someone and they get the virus. Yeah. If I have it. That's why I have, like, when I teach students, I do teach it in my studio. I have this giant shower curtain. We all wear masks and have a, yeah. um, horn Texas covers and everything. Bag. Air vent. I wear a mask in my room while my air vent is going. Um, I'm, like, really careful, um, and I disinfect everything. And here's the thing. I don't do that um, just for me. I do that for them because, like, they will feel more comfortable. And, I mean, even if, even if... Um, they don't believe in the virus. Well, if that's the case, they're stupid. But if if they don't believe in the virus, cleaning is still good. Like cleaning stuff. Yeah, it's nice to just and making clean sure it's just just saying. Pick um, up your laundry. So, so there's much, much to do that. with tubas right now. So much to do with tubas. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. All right, I feel like it's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. It was a really, really fun format. I really like having two guests. I think it's a lot more interesting, and di- it's there's just more dynamic to it. Yeah, um, I was a little bit worried at first. Like, yeah, me we're too. gonna get off topic a lot, and then guess what? We did. <laughs> uh, we did. Yeah, but, but we it was also got good. really I think good a information podcast... that we wouldn't have got otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I a podcast should be allowed to uh, to kind of be a get little off bit topic. Hectic. Yeah. Exactly. And. Yeah. All of our podcasts are like 10% information, 90% of us like off topic. So Cole, <laughs> yeah. Steven, do you have anything you want to plug? Like music Instagrams or OnlyFans uh, or whatever? Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
I guess follow me on Instagram. That one really tickled Taylor. I'm sorry, Adrian. That was so good. Man. Um, it's like, I'm going to deliver this the but, most uh, dry way possible. <laughs> but uh, follow me on Instagram, I guess, at Stephen Jones. Stephen. P-H-T-E-V-E-N underscore Jones. Um, I guess... I don't have anything else to plug other than Timo. Timo is starting to be an organization. Yeah, Cole appreciates it. What is it. that? Um, Timo is the organization I talked about earlier. Oh. The Tubo Euphonium uh, Musicians Organization. Nice. Uh, if you're really, if you're a student somewhere and you're a low brass player or you're interested in becoming a low brass player, please don't, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on please either my Instagram. Please don't reach out to us. Please don't. Yeah, please yeah, don't. yeah, that's not what I meant to say, but please, please reach out to us. Uh, we're looking to expand the organization, and it's just a fun group of people who are all accepting. Uh, Cole. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you want to talk about that or just anything tuba, feel free to reach out to me at teachingtuba on Instagram. Uh, no spaces or underscores. Uh, and you can also see things that I played and I haven't uploaded on there since May 4th. So, Ooh. yeah. Um, also, if you would like uh, some merch from a thing that has literally not done anything outside of <laughs> launching a merch store, go to the at Sound of History Instagram page and you will find the link in the uh, bio. And yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Speaking yeah, of thanks for merch. having me on. I really enjoyed it. I Heck had a great yeah. time. I had a great time too. Speaking of merch, podcast, I mean, our uh, Take Note podcast, we have some merch we have as well. As we well. have the Don't Wear a Mask Mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> I yeah, totally say, forgot about that until no just masks. now. Yeah. Say no to masks. That's it. Oh, jeez. It, it yeah, says, I have not so, sold a Cole, single it's one. It's a mask. I like infiltrated a bunch Cole. of anti-mask groups on Facebook and they all like they all found me out because they like one of them added me as a friend and they were like, this guy's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a mask that literally says say no to masks yeah. in the most patriotic <laughs> font too. possible. And a coffee. That mug. is amazing. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, man, I was going to. I was so excited. I'm gonna be like, damn, I'll make so much money from this. But no, no. Anyway. That's unfortunate. Oh, well. That was really I do funny, have though. a dad hat coming though. I'm working on it right now. I haven't like announced it like on my actual like music page yet. Um, just because I'm still working out the details, but um, I'm gonna like be launching like a dad hat with like a a frat guy logo that I'm coming up with. So that way I have something to wear. Like I thought you I... said frat guy, not fry guy. Oh yeah. So that way I have something to wear. <laughs> um, when I do content. Right on. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll wear that. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Go practice or compose or whatever you need to do. Take a nap even. And as yeah. always, take care and take care.